welcome to the Diocesan Digest, a news outlet for the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, Director of Media and Technology. In these short episodes, we will share the latest news, ministry stories, clergy, spotlights, and much more about the Diocese of Oklahoma each week. If you or your congregation wants to share a ministry story or other important news item, or even a particular topic you want to see covered on the podcast, please contact me at smith at epiok.org. Hi, folks. Today is round three with Kate Carney-Houston, joined by this week Sabrina Evans, the Dawson Director of Christian Formation on the Racial Reconciliation podcast series. Kate, Sabrina, and I chat about resources for young kids, including books, TV shows, podcasts, etc. And you can find all of our show notes in the list to these resources we chat about by going to epiok.org slash show notes. Hope y'all enjoyed this one. We have a really great time. You're going to love it. Here we go. All right. Today we are on round three of talking about racial reconciliation resources with our wonderful Christian formation directors, Sabrina Evans and Kate Carney-Houston. Thank you, ladies, for being here today, and let's get started on just talking in general terms. Why, like we did last time, why is it important to talk to our kids, our little kiddos, about race and anti-racism? I am really excited to talk about kids. Um, Partly it's because I'm a parent. I have a seven-year-old daughter, and so it's something that I'm personally passionate about and something that I've personally also had to experience. Um, Talking to my own daughter about race and anti-racism work um, and diversity in general, and so having that as a topic I think is incredibly important for parents um, and for our churches um, to know what maybe they need to have available as resources for parents, as resources for families, but also just in their own um, communities to be able to have available for families in the work that they might need to do as well with kids. That anti-racism work is a lifetime endeavor. You start it as early as a child is born and it goes through all the way through your life. And so for us to engage this work at every single age is an important piece of our call and our work as baptized Christians in the Episcopal tradition. I think about uh, very small children who do not see a, a difference. And most of the time when there's an issue, an adult has brought that issue forth. Like if a child's in a store and say something like that person has green hair or something and the parents will stop them and won't discuss it. Parents need to have these conversations and know that what they're saying is right and not be embarrassed to talk to their children about it. I've seen lots of times when people are, uh, you know, children will say something and a parent will absolutely, uh, especially when it deals with color, because we're not sure what to say. 
how do we help our child recognize that and answer them responsibly by saying this person is different this person is black and that it's okay to have those conversations and not whitewash it all as you know it's, it's just what it is so I think it's important for us to reiterate a little bit of what we talked about last week. Um, if you listen to last week's podcast on youth and young adult resources, we talked about this a little bit, Sarah and I did. Um, but I think it's important for us to, to reiterate that same topic, which is as Episcopalians, as people of a baptismal covenant, we believe in diversity. We recognize diversity, we acknowledge diversity, and we celebrate our diversity the training that we did with our young people, the first section of that training talks about why it's important to celebrate our diversity and to acknowledge it and not to use words like, I don't see color, I don't see race, I'm not racist, uh, we're post-racial, because we're not. God's diversity is our diversity that we see every day. It's in the color of our skin. It's in everything that we do that makes us different. And we have to celebrate that diversity and learn how to celebrate that diversity from our earliest ages. So that as our children get older, they have the language and the ability to talk about race, anti-racism and diversity in ways that honor it and celebrate it and are comfortable with it. And that's why it's so important to be able to do those things. I think some of our churches do a really nice job of that. At St. Augustine's, we talk about, we do a um, the Mary celebration, Our Lady of Guadalupe. There, you know, that's our Hispanic culture that has brought that to us so that we are able to participate with them in something that's important to them. And I think if our churches start looking at those things that are important to other you will find there's a way to incorporate that in the big church picture. I think it's also important for us to acknowledge that the Episcopal Church is culturally and has institutionally been a product of white privilege. And so our, our institutions, our liturgies, our structures, everything has been really a system that has not necessarily celebrated the diversity that actually is in our pews every Sunday. And we need to make sure that we acknowledge that diversity and lift it up and find ways to make sure that we incorporate it to make that as part of our regular practice, that it's not something we do once a year, it's something we do every day. And certainly we have our churches that are doing that and in churches that even don't have diversity in them necessarily a lot of diversity in their pews but there's still ways to celebrate the diversity that is the episcopal church and the beauty that makes up the church mm -hmm. and we just have to kind of find ways to do that um, in your community because maybe it's not that your church is diverse but the church is for all people in your community and your community is diverse you just need to walk out the door to see that yeah yeah i agree I think the first thing um, that I would like for Sabrina and I to talk about a little bit, and Sarah, I think you as well have some really good thoughts about this, is how to talk to kids about race and anti-racism. What are maybe some of the best practices? What are some things that you, what are some tips that 
you can use to talk to kids about race and anti-racism. There are a lot. You, you just Google it today, how to talk to kids about race and anti-racism, and you're going to find a plethora of resources out there. You will find most of the stuff that we're going to talk about on podcasts actually is for parents. There are tons and tons of resources for parents or teachers or professionals to talk to kids about race and anti-racism. And they span the gamut of theological, practical, family resources. So you can find stuff. So we're just gonna kind of take a couple of what we think are the best practices and things that you should be mindful of and feel free to Google away when it comes to finding uh, resources as well, if you wanna kind of go beyond some of these best practices that Sabrina and I um, will give to you. So the first one that I think is the most important, and Sabrina already acknowledged this, that a lot of times we tend to shy away from hard conversations with our kids, is that we need to practice having those conversations before we have them. So we need to, whether you talk to a mirror or you talk to a friend or a partner, you talk to someone about the topic before you address it with your children. You need to practice having the conversation. You need to hear the words come out of your mouth first. I am really guilty of this, not practicing. And then I get halfway through a conversation with Bridget and think, I really should go back and think about what I am going to say to her on this. And partly because I need to anticipate her questions. She will stop and ask me questions. And anyone who knows Bridget knows there will be a million questions and they will be hard to answer. And so partly it's talking through the language you want to use, but it's also talking through and thinking through some of the questions that your kids are going to ask you and having answers somewhat prepared when you kind of get called out for you know, not maybe thinking that there are things that your kids are going to ask you when they do. Sabrina, any comments about that? Uh, yeah, I, I was sitting here thinking about that. And as parents, we have to begin the work because what we bring to the table is what we inherited or learned or, or didn't learn. And so having uh, an understanding of what racism really is how does it affect me? Why is there something called white privilege? Understanding those terms and looking at yourself first, because if you don't know where you are in that spectrum of everything, uh, you won't be able to answer it, even with satisfaction to yourself. So you really do have to look at this, uh, starting with yourself and knowing where you are, and also recognizing that every piece of our life is based on racism right now. I've gone back and looked at the history. Um, so when the slaves were bought and brought forward, uh, people always say, well, I didn't have slaves. And, and I'm going, yeah, but you just need to have that conversation with somebody who knows this family story, because I did and found out one side of my family did not have slaves because they had non-children, but the other side had slaves. And I had no idea. It was just a, a awakening for me to try to figure out, well, where am I in the spectrum of everything? So I really suggest you do some basic reading on every way that slavery has uh, changed our culture, uh, how we got rich on the backs of others, how we continue to have things happen like prisons being 
you know, overwhelming blacks, overwhelming black women, uh, everything, how people couldn't buy houses, they made it unaffordable to buy houses. Everything in our lives has been touched by racism that we probably didn't know about. Um, I think I, knowing, yeah, knowing our own biases is a big part of doing that work. And knowing your own biases, knowing the language that you need to use. I had to do my own work. Sabrina's had to do her own work. Sarah's had to do her own work. We've all had to do this work um, and it's continual. I will be continuing to work on myself and on my own biases and my own struggles, my own family history for, for the rest of my life. And Bridget will have to do the same. I think that if you are interested in starting this work, the adult resources podcast that Sarah and I recorded a couple of weeks ago would be really helpful at, at least getting people started. Um, but you do need to talk to your kids about race and anti-racism work, but you need to do that work too. And that's a key part of it. When I started looking for resources, I mean, I had like 30 pages of things. It was very overwhelming to me. And so I went back and started looking at who is providing the content. And there are some solid resources out there from tolerance.org who uh, talk about white privilege. There's some things from the National Museum of African American History and Culture. Those are um, really good to listen to. PBS has some for, uh, for parents to talk to your child. And I think one of the things I, oh, National Geographic has a has a, a topic on it, and those are solid pieces. So if you were looking from where to start, you might look at those type of articles uh, from solid resources. Um, that's that's always helpful to to know what you're reading. You don't have to go through and try to filter it out because it already has been for you. I think filtering really matters too. We want to make sure that our sources are good, and that's one of the reasons why we curate a list every week for you to be able to look at our resources, click the links, it'll take you right to them and you can find that in the show notes and Sarah will make a note about that as well at the end. One of the things that you can do with your kids when you talk about race and anti-racism is you need to ask your kids how they feel directly. You need to actually address the issue head on. You know your, child's your child best, your children best, you know their emotions you know whether or not they're sensing worry or anxiousness. And so how much news that they're consuming in your home, what they're exposed to. So asking your children about what they're concerned about or what they've seen will give you a really good place and an understanding of where to start that conversation with your child or children and then where you wanna take it to. And for every family that is going to be different. Children, don't always know how to tell their parents or people who they're close to what they're worried about. They can maybe identify what it is, but they don't know how to tell you that it's something that's kind of weighing on them. And they also don't know the language to get themselves out of that worry or that anxiousness. And they don't know the language to address what it is that they're talking about. And so we have to give them that language and the best way to do that for a lot of kids 
is through these resources that we're going to give you, but primarily books. And so we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about books when we get there. Another thing that I think is important, and this is not my skill set typically, I'm more of a book person, but I know there's a lot more people out there who are also, who do a lot more activities with kids or are creative, but doing activities or crafts with kids related to diversity is something that gives them a visual representation of what diversity looks like. And there's a number of resources out there. Um, we'll put, we'll tag a couple in the show notes that do that. But you can also just Google diversity crafts on Pinterest and you'll come up with a bunch of options that are available to you, whether they're physical kind of manipulation things where you do things with your hands or it's art, uh, science experiments, even there's different ways that you can create understandings of diversity by doing crafts and activities in your home. Can I add something about crafts? Um, yeah. My sister-in-law just took my niece and nephew to their, they live in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, but they, they, she took Luke and Claire to the Juneteenth celebration yeah. And they had like a kid's craft area and they were coloring like the, the fist sign and like different, you know, the Juneteenth flag and the different, you know, stuff related to African-American culture. And that was a cool way just to get the kids just in an environment where they're learning about a different culture. Um, there's all sorts of black, you know, heritage type events that happen throughout the year. So taking kids to those. And now I think, people are way more mindful of providing spaces for kids and so they can just interact and learn, you know, so. You also need to remember Crayola just came out with colors of skin. You, 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 you had a tan, you might've had a wheat and you had a white crayon and a black and, and maybe a brown, but it was just, you know, very generic. And I, I sat there and I hold those crayons up to me and then I think, well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm white, but I'm not white, white. I mean, I'm not a color. I am in between. And I know that has to be very frustrating for children to not find themselves in a Crayola box, but it, they have moved and made that um, on a thing that's available now. Um, you see yeah, that on I, paper too. There's, there's like paper cutouts that are different mm -hmm. colors um, of skin tones. And right. so giving your kids craft materials that, represent diversity is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think the last tip that we probably can give is to help children begin to understand what it means to move from learning about racism and anti-racism work to being an ally in that work, um, being a member of a community that works to end racism and works to address it. So there's a whole number of ways we can do that just by saying things. We make room for all people. Ask how, ask you role play with your kids. How do you welcome? How do you, how are you hospitable? What happens when someone calls someone a name? What happens when someone says something about that someone looks different than you or different than them? And so a lot of that role playing is going to help them understand how to navigate situations that they might encounter, particularly at school or in other places that they are in groups of other kids and help them navigate and help them with the language to be able to move from being just a consumer of information to someone who is actively 
working to address racism in their communities in the best way that kids know how to do. I was thinking about the um, books that are available out there um, showing how do you show diversity in your home by the books you have on your shelves. And I, I looked at mine to begin with and they all had white characters. The first book I remember having uh, a, someone of color in there was Desmond Tutu's Bible storybook. And it's beautiful. It is gorgeous. The artwork is just wonderful and it pulls you in. And I have been seeing a lot more of that. And so books that I've been trying to order have either a black character as the main person um, or it's, it's a, a rainbow of color of just all kinds of people. And I think we have to start looking at what's on our bookshelves because you'll never see, um, if you're in a white household and had never thought about this, there won't be any black characters uh, on your shelves or, or Native Americans or someone in a wheelchair or it's, it's, it's all. And that's what's uh, been very exciting is to see how this hits all people, no matter where they are. I, as a parent, made really conscious decisions early on with Bridget that we would read at least one story a night. We've, we've kind of moved beyond picture books in our house now. My child is now reading independently and is kind of off to, you know, just picking out our own books. And we still read together every night, but there's less picture books in our house than there used to be in terms of consumption, although she still picks them up. But I was very intentional early on to make sure that we read at least one story a night that featured a character of diversity in some way, whether that was race or some form of otherness. We looked at LGBTQ as well. There's some great books out now. And even the difference between now Bridget being seven and when she was born in 2013, the number of books on diversity has just exploded and are readily available. Whereas before you somewhat sometimes had to search. Yesterday, we walked into Barnes and Noble to look for a new coloring book for Bridget. And she we walked past multiple book kind of displays that were featuring characters of diversity. And so um, particularly race, but also just in general, people of diversity and diverse perspectives. And so I think you're going to see that a lot more. And I think editors and are sensing that too, that people want to see diversity in the pages, even if you're the main character in a book might be white, that having a kid's classroom setting look like a kid's classroom setting where there is diversity in that setting and diversity in the class is important. And so you're seeing a lot more kids books today have that kind of diversity. And we're gonna, I think, talk about some of those books now. So Sabrina mentioned the Desmond Tutu Children's Storybook Bible, which is a fantastic, beautiful children's Bible. Probably my favorite one out there. Sabrina, what other resources for kids did you find for books? I've, um, this is for um, older kids and it's called Civil Rights Then and Now. And it has people, the name of people in here and how the civil rights movement has, where it started and how it ends. And so it's really, it's, it has uh, inner pictures and histories and who, um, who is whom 
especially people who are of color that have died, how that how their life has influenced people. So it's really, um, uh, and it has some questions in the back, but it's really an important read to get to know more than one person. Um, for little kids, I got a book called The Crayon Box That Talked. Uh, it's, it's the same issue of, how, you know, we, we don't want to be with any others, but when you put us down, we become a beautiful picture together. There is also a uh, printout lesson from Teaching Tolerance on this book. Uh, it's a very short book. Um, then there was um, young, younger children. I found one called One Colorful Wish, and uh, it's with animals that show and tell kids about being an anti-racist. Coloring is, is really, oh, you can't see. <laughs> Coloring is beautiful. Uh, it's very pastel. Um, you Matter is another one. And the front cover has someone in a wheelchair, someone with a hijab, someone with glasses, someone from other countries on it. Um, and it's, it also uh, has beautiful pictures in it. Um, one of the books that, I, don't, I won't, won't call it a book, but there's a coloring book out on the Black Lives Matter webpage, and it talks about the history of um, black principles of values. And I went through, it's, it's a great, it's a black and white, you can use it for coloring, but it also has uh, things in there to help you look at the 13 pieces that make up uh, the principles or core values of, of blacks in our country. I, I, uh, I went through and looked at the books that were on Bridget's shelf, um, just pulled off a few that were kind of ones that were our favorites that we had just sitting there that she kind of goes to or I pick up when we are going to read a picture book. I would say that her favorite was a book given to us by a good friend of mine, and it's called The Day You Begin. It's written by Jacqueline Woodson, who's, who also has written adult fiction and YA fiction as well. So this is one for kids, but it's about a little girl who walks into a classroom for the first time and she feels uncomfortable and she's scared. And her classmates are talking about the exciting places that they went to over the summer and she didn't go anywhere. And she stayed at home and took care of her sister. And at, through the process of this story, she shares her story with her classmates. And they recognize it as beautiful. And then they start to share some of their struggles as well. And so it's a, it's a I think a really great book showing diversity, but also showing not only racial diversity, but socioeconomic diversity and how we can care for one another when we share our stories and by connecting with each other much more deeply. Another one that I love that is on our shelves is All Are Welcome. And it depicts a group of kids, a diverse group of children at school and how they share their culture with each other through lunch. So the food that they bring in their lunch boxes their art, their music, their stories. And I think it's a great classroom setting book to talk about diversity in a Sunday school room, for example, that you can kind of talk about how we see people coming together in, a, in, a one, in one setting. Those are two we had on our shelves that I really loved. Anything else? 
of that section, uh, no. I do want to uh, say that Sesame Street has done a really excellent job with discussing this uh, topic. And um, they uh, teamed up with CNN just recently and did a, an event on, uh, it was called uh, Sesame Street Race Town Hall. And so they had the characters, it was, it was really exciting. And then um, the, uh, there's one on racism uh, where Elmo and his father discuss it and discuss how people are protesting and what that means. And then the, my other favorite favorite is being black in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood mm. because Mr. Rogers was one of the first shows that had a, a black person in, incorporated into his program. And he was very radical when he asked the mailman to come in and rest his feet in the pool with him. And um, that that's a very um, interesting look at um, how to incorporate everyone into your neighborhood. So that would be another one I would really think you should look at. One of my other favorite books is, it's actually a series and it's, the series is called Ordinary Terrible Things. And it's a series of books, picture books for children. The, there's one about death, a child experiencing someone who's died. There's one about divorce. There's one about sex. Um, there's one about other family members. So there's a, it's a, it's a range. But this particular book is called, it's part of that series, but it's called Not My Idea, a book about whiteness. And it is, it is written for white children. Where some of the other books we've discussed are really consumable by diverse children. And this particular book, it's really written for white children to be able to look at understanding white privilege. And while, it, again, this theme of responsibility for versus responsibility to that we aren't responsible for the things that have happened, the institutions and the way that they're set up, but that we are responsible to addressing it and fixing it in society. And so she, this young girl, talks to her parents about something that she has seen on the news. And her parents kind of poo-poo it, don't really want to talk about it or afraid to talk about it. And she starts to do her own research kind of a tenacious kid, starts to do her own research and she starts to realize things about race and white supremacy and white privilege and starts to create this own, her own understanding of the world. And I think it's a really uplifting book, but it definitely for young white children in particular addresses this question of privilege, which I think is essential in a way that makes it understandable. Uh, I think we should talk about podcasts. And because I think there's a lot of parent resources in podcasts, I certainly ran into more that were really directed at parents rather than kids, although there are some for kids out there. Mm -hmm. what, what did you find for parents on podcasts? Um, NPR has something called Talking Race with Young Children. Um, there's a, a pulled one that has eight podcasts that helps you talk to children about race. And that was by the Bellow Collective. Uh, and then podcasts for kids help explain race and racism. So uh, one that I ran into was one called My American Melting Pot. 
which is a conversation, kind of a round table has educators and parents from different racial backgrounds, plus a host, and it, it changes every week, every time that they have a podcast. But they talk about race and they talk about children and learning and they kind of address a, a different topic every time. And so how to talk to your kids about race. It, it's, it's an ongoing podcast that you can really see in general. And in My American Melting Pot is, is a much broader podcast with respect to talking about race and diversity, but they have a number that talk about kids, which is really helpful. The, another podcast that I listened to was something called The Longest Shortest Time, How Not to Accidentally Raise a Racist. This is a single kind of one shot. The Longest Shortest Time is the podcast, but they had an episode um, on how not to accidentally raise a racist, which I really enjoyed listening to partially because it's the things that we don't think about that are the most important. So we think we're doing these specific things, but then there's things that we don't think about. And it, it brought up some topics for me that I needed to really incorporate into my practice and the things that I do, the things that I say when it comes from, you know, talking to my daughter and talking to other kids as well. And then there's a one pl a place called Safe Space Radio, which has a whole series on talking to kids about race and racism, which I thought was really excellent. I didn't get to listen to all of them, but I listened to the majority of them and thought they were really good as well. So in, in terms of podcasts, there's again, a lot out there for parents, less out there for kids, but there are some. So there are, there's a podcast called Activist You, and I beta tested this on Bridget. I made her listen to a couple episodes and had her kind of look at it. And so each episode is a kid with a young activist. And so it features a young activist and is for kids. And it ranges, so racial justice, climate change, immigration, LGBTQ. And so you listen to this young person who's an activist talk about how they got involved, what they're doing, why the issue is important. And so it was educational, but it also helped kids show that it, you don't have to be your parents' age to change the world, that you can do it as a young person, that you can make a difference in your community. So I, I really liked that one. And another one that I really liked for young kids was, this is, and this is actually a fiction podcast, but it's called Stoop Kids Stories. And each episode features a story about a young black child who's facing a challenge. And they're everyday challenges, allergies, spelling bees, school, changes in school, changes in your neighborhood. Nothing that any kid wouldn't experience, but it's specific to a young black child in the narrative. And I think that that's really important. Again, that we have our children listen to stories about that feature people of diversity. And so I, I love that. And then for slightly older kids, 10 to 14 maybe, um, so not super young, is there's something called a book club for kids. It's a podcast. And they talk about books and then you can hear stories, fiction stories that talk about landmark civil rights cases like Loving versus Virginia, 
you might go to a summer camp run by the Black Panthers, go to a refugee area. And so there's there's fiction stories that are set in very diverse communities. And so you you kind of are learning history. You're learning about different social movements, but you're experiencing it through fiction, which I think is always a good way to, to learn history. There, there's a whole section out there called Code Switch, and it's sponsored by NPR. And they are talking about A to Z, um, politics, pop culture, history, sports, everything that falls in between. And the conversations are led by people of color. And so they are able to bring in their perspective. And I, that this one is also for 10 and up. So that would be another place to look at. Yeah, Code Switch just recently set out a whole list of episodes that just deal with kids and race. Um, and we've talked about that. And it's a, it's a great podcast. I think we've mentioned it in every one. So definitely check it out because that's something we keep coming back to is, is Code Switch. Let's move on to movies. Um, I looked at a number of movies for kids. A lot of them are, it's a whole range. Uh, kids movies are somewhat like books. You really get to pick what you surround your child with and what movies and visual images you expose your children to. You get to control that. And so finding diverse films, finding films that feature people of color as the main characters is important and making sure that you are representing a diverse community when you, you know, in the collection of things that your child can choose from, I think is important. When you give your children choices, making sure that there's choices in that collection that features people of color is incredibly important. Sabrina, did you find any movies that you particularly liked? Well, I, I started thinking about movies that I might not go to uh, that talk about our history. So I was just pawing through a whole bunch of resources and there's one called Dancing in the Light. It's the Janet Collins story, which I have never heard of Janet Collins, but she is the first African-American ballerina in the Metropolitan Opera House. And I, you know, to, to talk about the things that she goes through to get to that spot and how important it was for her. Um, and this was, back in the 1930s so we were having a lot of other issues going on but that she prevailed in doing that um the for 10 year olds i i think hidden figures is another one that talks about the women uh who worked at nasa it's been on television just recently and uh how they um, got to where they were how they had been separated from everyone and how they walk through the stereotype of not educational, not, you know, they, it was just, they were given the leftovers of the supplies to try to work with and how they made it work. Um, just Mercy is another one. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's a picture of racial injustice. Um, and I think for me, what hurts me is that it came from Alabama. There've been several that have been things that happened in Alabama and not knowing it until I actually watched the video. Um, and it's, it's a real good understanding of how our justice system was not just and how someone fought very, very hard to make it right. And that's definitely for older kids. Mm -hmm. they, 
they they probably need to have some those are going to bring up more complicated conversations more right. nuanced conversations so probably maybe 10 or 12 plus for just yes yeah, that's 13 plus yeah i was going to offer some tv shows that i know my niece and nephew watched um that i think would fall under this kind of media category um there's one on disney called mira royal detective it's a cartoon about um an indian family in south south asian culture um and then uh, motown magic which is on netflix um it, it features a diverse cast of characters, each episode inspired by a classic Motown song. Mm -hmm. And then the Disney movie Moana, which is got a strong female protagonist, but it's centered on the story of Pacific Islanders. Um, and I hear it's a really good movie. I've had people say I would enjoy it just in terms of its message. So you I watch it with Bridget. I'm yeah, me and Bridget yeah. need to sit down <laughs> you and have watch. a watch party. She loves Moana. And then Dora the Explorer is a bilingual Latina kid that teaches others about language and cultures on her many adventures. Um, and there's a bunch more, you know, just if you Google like, um, what I Googled like kids TV shows about diversity and race or whatever. Um, there's some people who've been curating some lists out there, but I know those, those in particular, my, niece and nephew watch. Bridget's been watching a new series on PBS called Molly of Denali. Um, it features an indigenous young girl in Alaska and she also watched when she was younger. She hasn't for a while. I'm kind of sad about it because I loved it but Doc McStuffins which is a Disney show and features characters of color as the primary characters and so again just making sure that your kids have diverse options is incredibly important. I, well, I kind of looked through some of the things that we've watched and some of the things that I have on my list of things we should watch. We have not watched this movie, Bridget and I. I wasn't quite sure she was ready for it yet, just age-wise seven, but Akila and the Bee, which is a young, about a story about a young girl who's 11, who loves to spell and is really good at it and goes to the Scripps National Spelling Bee and talks about the pressure she feels from her community and just to succeed and be successful at the Scripps National Spelling Bee, the racism that she experiences from other kids' parents in particular. So that was a movie that I thought was a really good one to recommend. There were Hidden Figures, which Sabrina has mentioned as well. The movie Remember the Titans, I remember coming out an, oh, quite a while ago, but it is set in 1970s Virginia. And it's really about a high school football team and the racial tensions in the community and how they kind of navigate those racial tensions over time. Any others that you all can think of? Princess and the Frog, Bridget loves Princess and the Frog, um, Disney movie. Um, the other one, my niece and nephew, like I forgot, Hello Ninja. I don't know that one. Is that a movie or a show or? Yeah, I think it's like a Netflix series show, oh. but they have a diverse cast of characters and they're little ninjas. I think, uh, again, the things you just want to make sure you look for when you 
kind of curate your research for your kids, you, you're the one who's mostly setting the content for your children, whether it's books, movies, podcasts, anything, and make sure that the stuff that you're picking has diversity in it, that you're offering diverse choices, and you're encouraging your children to pick those diverse choices by the things that you're choosing to watch and the things you're choosing as a family to consume. So the things that you consume on a daily basis, make sure that you're, whether it's books or movies, make sure that you're curating those choices, but also that you're modeling picking those things for your kids. I also think there's, there needs to be that next step of what, did, what issue did you see in this book or video or movie? Uh, how, is, how did the main character respond? Um, what is right or wrong? What, what was the conflict here? How could you respond to that situation? And what lesson did you learn about the issues we're seeing today? How does that tie into where we are now? And I think that those ending discussions on all these resources is what's going to help you, you and your child have a foundation for continuation of discussions. I've always thought that the thing that I love most about Godly Play, which of course is one of our foundational curriculums for kids in the Episcopal Church, is the wondering questions at the end, because you can apply it to so many different situations. And wondering is a really open-ended way to ask difficult questions and invites answers into a place that's a safe space to talk about them. And so I typically use wondering questions with Bridget. I wonder what so-and-so thought about in when they encountered X situation. I wonder how this made someone feel. I wonder what you would do if you were there. And I think that those wondering questions structure a conversation and help kids be able to imagine themselves in a situation and it allows kids to be able to put themselves into different stories, into different visual images. Who are you in this story? I wonder who you are in this story. I wonder who you are in this book, if you were going to be someone. And that helps kids then, again, develop that language and identity and empathy for when we encounter other people. I think that's a good idea and the feeling questions. How did this make you feel? Mm -hmm. um, what, what would you have left out of the story and then had the whole story? Those kinds of things where kids actually dig into the, into the process. And using those kinds of questions, there doesn't have to be an answer. It doesn't have to be the answer you're thinking of because they are still trying to process this. But give them time and these questions they'll begin to answer them for themselves and make that as part of who they are um i you know just i didn't like the way it ended or and then so how would you make it what what needed to happen so you would like it um, those are real important questions one thing that i was sitting here thinking about that we haven't talked about at all are the images of jesus that we give to kids. We somewhat touched on it when we talked about the Desmond Tutu storybook Bible, but I think being really explicit with our kids about the images of Jesus that we have in books mm -hmm. is incredibly important. And the pictures of Jesus you have around your home, if you have, if you have some up, 
in your church, in your church communities, go around and look at the pictures of Jesus in your church. How accurate are they? Are they accurate descriptions, racial descriptions of Jesus? Might be a newsflash, but Jesus was not white. Um, and so, but a lot of the images that our children consume in, in culture of Jesus is a very white, kind of almost blonde Jesus. And we need to make sure that the images that we're giving our kids are, are accurate images as much as we can with respect to culture and history and race. And so I think- I found a uh, web link that I'll put in the resources about uh, it's pictures of color, people in color who represent those individuals in the stories. And it's gorgeous. It, it takes your breath away and it gives you a different perspective of Jesus and what the culture really was. Um, that he doesn't have the long blonde curls and big blue eyes. And, you know, that's, that's, that's just so wrong. And, and how do we make that correct? I think overall, what's most important that Sabrina and I have talked about, and, you know, I think in, in, for the, all the podcasts, that we've talked about is making sure that you are engaging in conversation with your kids, with your young people, with your peers, with yourself, engaging the conversation on race and anti-racism, doing that work. Next week's podcast, we're gonna be looking at resources that the diocese is providing for people, programs, and some anti-racism work that we're going to be doing from the diocese for our congregations and for the people in the Diocese of Oklahoma. And we hope that you will join us again. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Be sure to sign up for the Diocesan Newsletter at our website, epiok.org newsletter. And follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date on what's going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. See y'all next week, and peace be with you.